The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. How do you be amazed after 36 years of apparitions of Our Lady at what's going on? Because when truth comes before you and the reality of the events start taking place, it's still amazing. You can hear prophecy. It can be foretold to you. But when it comes to reality, you think, wow. Say you go to some kind of special event, say some kind of concert or some kind of whatever event, and you go see it, you knew you were going there, but being there in real time, you'd be moved. I remember when Elvis Presley was at his peak, came back from being silent. I told my wife, we hadn't been married a couple of years, years or so, I said, let's go see this guy because he's going to die. And I'd like to just see him. But when we went to the event, it was amazing. I didn't think he was that great of a singer until I went there and watched him. But in there, really listening to it live, it meant so much more. And we got to see him a second time, and he died. And you might think, what's it got to do with religion? I'm just bringing this as a secular thing up of how we are to see things. 
Do you realize what we're in the middle of? Do you realize what happened yesterday with President Trump and what happened with Jerusalem? David's son, Solomon, built it. And then in 70 AD, it was destroyed again. And the Jews were scattered all over the world. In 1947, I think it was, Israel became a state again. After 2,000 years of exile, our lady's present in this history time, in this moment of man's history. You think all this is just happening by coincidence? It's our lady who said, nothing is by chance. And then we jumped to 1967, the Six-Day War, an amazing defeat. Israel surrounded, Egypt's after him, Iran's after him. Syria's after all the countries around them are ready to attack to destroy them. And they go on the attack. You want to read something fantastic? Read the Six-Day War. Read the Lion's Gate. You got to read that to understand how big it was. God led this Six-Day War and won it for them. You say, well, they're the Jews, they're the people, they lost. No, you know what Sister Lucy said? The Fatima Visionary in 1993, I think it was the date, talking to a cardinal. Don't think World War II was not a war against God's people. It was a satanic war against the Jews. Isn't that amazing? Up in 1993, we're still talking about these things? And yes, Jesus said, look at this temple, tear it down, and I'll raise it in three days. And it was destroyed in 70 AD. So here we have the Jewish people banned by God's ordination, or ordaining it rather, so... To now, to 47, and you think it's 20 years later, in 1967, the Six-Day War, and they win this war, against everything that would say they could. It's an impossibility, only by the hand of God. So here we have Trump coming up and doing what nobody has the courage to do, puts forth something and says something, and brings it to reality. We're in a position, a biblical moment. And you know what the Vatican says? It says Trump inflames the Middle East. Oh, Trump's doing this? It says the U.S. decision to move its embassy in Israel to Jerusalem is a measure of igniting a powder keg in the region. Oh, we're doing that? Trump's doing that? Or who's going to light the powder keg? Pope Francis, I can't even believe it. It's, the Vatican's an embarrassment. They don't even understand what's going on. They said in the headlines of Vittorio Romano, Trump inflames the Middle East. They say the U.S. recognition of Jerusalem as the capital city is a negative term and perhaps violent responses to the action will provoke. Oh, really? Since when do we act on threats? Because people are peaceless. You know what I just said December 2nd, just a few days ago, 2017? In this peaceless world full of threats, your hands, apostles of my love, should be extended in prayer and mercy. Is it Trump who's making Jerusalem the capital of Israel? Or was it David 3,000 years ago? Jerusalem has always been the capital, biblically, by God, by God's word, of Israel. 
And you want to give it to a people or divide it? This is not by chance. This is the times we're in. And one thing people don't recognize, and you can recognize not by seeing it, but what surrounds it, when something's of God, it is opposed violently, even by those in the church. Pope Francis urged nations to respect the status quo. The status quo? What is the status quo? Violence. From Carter all the way through, next everybody has tried to bring peace to the Middle East. And you want to keep the status quo? I tell you what Trump just did is he took the jewel out of the hands that don't give an issue that you can ever have that now and then you can bring the peace. It's actually a move of peace and it's actually a move of God. Trump is an instrument that's doing things and making decisions that no president had the courage to do. They all promised to, even Obama promised to do this. And the last previous six presidents, but they acted on well, what would happen, the threat. I never make decisions at Caritas in my favor. I make the decision what is right. And whatever the consequences, then let it befall us. But we don't act on threat. We don't act on blackmails. We don't act on these things. Even if it hurts us. So Francis is sitting there in deep concern. I cannot, he says, quote, I cannot remain silent about my deep concern of the situation that has been created in the last days. Trump didn't create this. It's the agitators. And you're making decisions based on them? That's peaceless. That's a threat. I let you use the word threat. T-H-R-E-A-T-S. Threats, not one threat. We're supposed to go forth in love. And there is no question that the Jewish people say they're coming to Christ, their first coming, our second coming for them, because they're still waiting for the Messiah. For them, it's going to be the first coming. For us, it'll be the second. We're both right about it. He's going to come, but the temple will be rebuilt. Jerusalem has always been the capital. Trump's not doing anything except what God has moved him to. And I want you to listen to him. I want you to listen to what he says in this speech yesterday announcing and he just took a step toward peace because everything else has never worked because their threats and us acting timidly because of the threats if this happens we're going to blow up the world we're going to do this actually when it's taken from them they had no bargaining chip no more you take this and we're going to take more from you israel belongs to the jewish people they will never take the Christian sites away from us. Why? Money-wise. It's a source of income. And they're respectful. I've been there twice. Many people have been there. And they accept all three religions there. They even protect them. Do you know Muslims are more safe in Israel than their own countries? That they protect them? Yeah, you didn't know that. But we've got something so out of touch. I'm telling you, the Vatican is embarrassing. They're not. It's, they're so out of touch with what's happening and understanding the events. And that's why Our Lady is going outside of that, the structure, to renew that, renew the church to us, the apostles. And so who is Trump? 
He's an individual, the most unlikely individual to be doing what he's doing. He was the most unlikely out of 16 to be president. But he's got the traits that's changing a lot of people's minds around or either going more against him. But we have a history, a precedent of what God's done in the past to help the Jewish people change the world, change nations, and change mentalities. Josephus is a first-century Jewish historian, and he relates the traditional view of the Jews regarding the prediction of Cyrus in Isaiah in his Antiquities of the Jews. He writes, In the first year of the reign of Cyrus, which was the 70th from the day that our people were removed out of their own land into Babylon, God commiserated the captivity and calamity of these poor people according as he had foretold to them by Jeremiah the prophet before the destruction of the city, that after they had served Nebuchadnezzar and his posterity, and after they had undergone that servitude seventy years, he would restore them again to the land of their fathers, and they should build their temple and enjoy their ancient prosperity. And these things God did afford them, for he stirred up the mind of Cyrus, and made him write this throughout all Asia. Thus saith Cyrus the king, Since God Almighty hath appointed me to be king of the habitable earth, I believe that he is that God which the nation of the Israelites worship. For indeed he foretold my name by the prophets, and that I should build him a house at Jerusalem in the country of Judea. This was known to Cyrus by his reading the book which Isaiah left behind him of his prophecies. For this prophet said that God had spoken thus to him in a secret vision. God said, My will is that Cyrus, whom I have appointed to be king over many and great nations, send back my people to their own land and build my temple. This was foretold by Isaiah 140 years before the temple was demolished. Accordingly, when Cyrus read this and admired the divine power, an earnest desire and ambition seized upon him to fulfill what was so written. So he called for the most eminent Jews that were in Babylon and said to them that he gave them leave to go back to their own country and to rebuild their city Jerusalem and the temple of God, for that he would be their assistant, and that he would write to the rulers and governors that were in the neighborhood of their country of Judea, that they should contribute to them gold and silver for the building of the temple, and besides that, beasts for their sacrifices. This edict is also reproduced in the book of Ezra. It states in the Old Testament, In the first year of King Cyrus, Cyrus the king issued a decree. Concerning the house of God at Jerusalem, let the temple, the place where sacrifices are offered, be rebuilt, and let its foundations be retained, its height being sixty cubits and its width sixty cubits, with three layers of huge stones and one layer of timbers, and let the cost be paid from the royal treasury and that the gold and silver utensils of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple in Jerusalem, 
and brought to Babylon, be returned and brought to their places in the temple in Jerusalem, and you shall put in them the house of God. Cyrus respected minority religions. These minority religions included the Jewish people. I didn't believe what the God said because he read about himself 140 years before writing about him, what he was going to do to help build the temple. Allow these people to do that. Bring silver and go back. That wasn't by chance that Isaiah wrote that and then Cyrus reads this about himself and then he wants to fulfill this God. He believes in this God of these people. A Gentile, the only Gentile referred to as a Messiah type in the Jewish writings of what we call the Old Testament. And here we are, have somebody, the most unlikely in presidential office, doing something that doesn't make the capital of Israel Jerusalem. He can't do that because God's already done it. All he's doing is recognizing it. God made it the capital. And so we think Trump's doing this. We think he's inflaming the Middle East. Where is it that we react to mobs? And ISIS and all this. Let's don't rile them up. Let's don't, but we got to be careful. If we do this, we got to hold our hands and hope maybe you'd be good. We're going to be, we're going to be nice to you. We're going to be sweet to you. Garbage. Take it away. Give it to what God had. You, I tell you what, Trump could not have made this recognition of Jerusalem and Israel as his capital if it was not ordained by God. Because our lady just told us what's coming in the future. She said a few months back, nothing's by chance. This is something on a biblical scale. You're living in something that is amazing. Are you interpreting it? Are you understanding? Are you seeing this? You say, well, Trump's just a half a Christian. Let me tell you something. He just left the Christmas tree in the Capitol. You know what he says? At Christmas, we are reminded more than ever that the family is the bedrock of American life. Wow, nobody says that anymore because a family can be anything. It can be, you can be anything as far as gender. You can be all kind of stuff. At Christmas, we are reminded more than ever that the family is the bedrock of American life. Amen. Hallelujah. Can you say that? We got a president saying that. I haven't heard that for decades. And so this Christmas, Trump says, we ask for God's blessing for our family, for our nation. And we pray that our country will be a place where every child knows a home filled with love. Why? Because the families don't have love in it. They don't even have a two-parent home. They have an extended in this family and this family and a blended family or whatever you want to call it. That every child knows a home filled with love, a community rich with hope and a nation blessed with faith. I tell you, if you think Trump is a half a Christian, you give me a half a Christian over the full Christians because he's done more. He says more. He refers more to Jesus Christ. That's not even, Go look his speech up, what he said at Christmas, the lighting of the tree. Beautiful. We don't have this. We reserved. All the presidents are saying, we got to be careful. We might offend somebody saying Jesus Christ. He says Jesus Christ. You know what he said about it? I'll add that to it. 2,000 years ago, with a mother and a father and their baby son, the most extraordinary gift of all, the gift of God's love to all humanity. Well, who's he talking about? He preceded that, that saying, the celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Give me this quarter question, if that's what you think. 
a half a Christian. I'll take that any day of the week and what we even have in the puppet on Sundays. This guy's doing more for Christianity, protecting more from Christianity than the church. I better calm down. John wants to ask a question. She's flagging me. Well, what I want to ask is, what does this mean in the context of this being the 100th anniversary year of Fatima, the Jubilee year, and Jerusalem is being returned to the Jewish people as the capital of Israel? So this is the end of the Jubilee of Fatima. What happens that? What happens in a Jubilee? The returning to the land. All this stuff, if you read it and look at it and study it and pray about it, you can read the Bible. That's what the message is about. I want you to listen to Trump. I want you to listen to his whole speech. I don't want you to hear a 45-second clip of it. You listen to what this man is saying. And he actually comes up with a plan for peace in a way because he takes away a big ace out of the hands of those who don't want peace, who wants to always be riling up. And until you take that away and recognize that capital, it actually has changed the game, the whole negotiations. And the whole plan. Listen carefully to Donald Trump. Thank you. When I came into office, I promised to look at the world's challenges with open eyes and very fresh thinking. We cannot solve our problems by making the same failed assumptions and repeating the same failed strategies of the past. Old challenges demand new approaches. My announcement today marks the beginning of a new approach to conflict between Israel and the Palestinians. In 1995, Congress adopted the Jerusalem Embassy Act, urging the federal government to relocate the American embassy to Jerusalem and to recognize that that city and so importantly, is Israel's capital. This act passed Congress by an overwhelming bipartisan majority and was reaffirmed by unanimous vote of the Senate only six months ago. Yet for over 20 years, every previous American president has exercised the law's waiver refusing to move the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem or to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital city. Presidents issued these waivers under the belief that delaying the recognition of Jerusalem would advance the cause of peace. Some say they lacked courage, but they made their best judgments based on facts as they understood them at the time. Nevertheless, the record is in. After more than two decades of waivers, we are no closer to a lasting peace agreement between Israel and the Palestinians. It would be folly to assume that repeating the exact same formula would now produce a different or better result. Therefore, I have determined that it is time to officially recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. While previous presidents have made this a major campaign promise, they failed to deliver. Today, I am delivering. 
I've judged this course of action to be in the best interests of the United States of America and the pursuit of peace between Israel and the Palestinians. This is a long overdue step to advance the peace process and to work towards a lasting agreement. Israel is a sovereign nation with the right, like every other sovereign nation, to determine its own capital. Acknowledging this is a fact is a necessary condition for achieving peace. It was 70 years ago that the United States under President Truman recognized the state of Israel. Ever since then, Israel has made its capital in the city of Jerusalem, the capital the Jewish people established in ancient times. Today, Jerusalem is the seat of the modern Israeli government. It is the home of the Israeli parliament, the Knesset, as well as the Israeli Supreme Court. It is the location of the official residence of the prime minister and the president. It is the headquarters of many government ministries. For decades, visiting American presidents, secretaries of state, and military leaders have met their Israeli counterparts in Jerusalem, as I did on my trip to Israel earlier this year. Jerusalem is not just the heart of three great religions, but it is now also the heart of one of the most successful democracies in the world. Over the past seven decades, the Israeli people have built a country where Jews, Muslims, and Christians, and people of all faiths are free to live and worship according to their conscience and according to their beliefs. Jerusalem is today and must remain a place where Jews pray at the Western Wall, where Christians walk the Stations of the Cross, and where Muslims worship at Al-Aqsa Mosque. However, through all of these years, presidents representing the United States have declined to officially recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. In fact, we have declined to acknowledge any Israeli capital at all. But today we finally acknowledge the obvious, that Jerusalem is Israel's capital. This is nothing more or less than a recognition of reality. It is also the right thing to do. It's something that has to be done. That is why, consistent with the Jerusalem Embassy Act, I am also directing the State Department to begin preparation to move the American Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. This will immediately begin the process of hiring architects, engineers, and planners so that a new embassy, when completed, will be a magnificent tribute to peace. In making these announcements, I also want to make one point very clear. This decision is not intended in any way to reflect a departure from our strong commitment to facilitate a lasting peace agreement. 
We want an agreement that is a great deal for the Israelis and a great deal for the Palestinians. We are not taking a position of any final status issues, including the specific boundaries of the Israeli sovereignty in Jerusalem or the resolution of contested borders. Those questions are up to the parties involved. The United States remains deeply committed to helping facilitate a peace agreement that is acceptable to both sides. I intend to do everything in my power to help forge such an agreement. Without question, Jerusalem is one of the most sensitive issues in those talks. The United States would support a two-state solution if agreed to by both sides. In the meantime, I call on all parties to maintain the status quo at Jerusalem's holy sites, including the Temple Mount, also known as Haram al-Sharif. Above all, our greatest hope is for peace, the universal yearning in every human soul. With today's action, I reaffirm my administration's long-standing commitment to a future of peace and security for the region. There will, of course, be disagreement and dissent regarding this announcement. But we are confident that ultimately, as we work through these disagreements, we will arrive at a peace and a place far greater in understanding and cooperation. This sacred city should call forth the best in humanity, lifting our sights to what it is possible, not pulling us back and down to the old fights that have become so totally predictable. Peace is never beyond the grasp of those willing to reach it. So today we call for calm, for moderation, and for the voices of tolerance to prevail over the purveyors of hate. Our children should inherit our love, not our conflicts. I repeat the message I delivered at the historic and extraordinary summit in Saudi Arabia earlier this year. The Middle East is a region rich with culture, spirit, and history. Its people are brilliant, proud, and diverse, vibrant, and strong. But the incredible future awaiting this region is held at bay by bloodshed, ignorance, and terror. Vice President Pence will travel to the region in the coming days to reaffirm our commitment to work with partners throughout the Middle East to defeat radicalism that threatens the hopes and dreams of future generations. It is time for the many who desire peace to expel the extremists from their mists. It is time for all civilized nations and people to respond to disagreement with reasoned debate, not violence. And it is time for young and moderate voices all across the Middle East to claim for themselves 
a bright and beautiful future. So today, let us rededicate ourselves to a path of mutual understanding and respect. Let us rethink old assumptions and open our hearts and minds to possible and possibilities. And finally, I ask the leaders of the region, political and religious, Israeli and Palestinian, Jewish and Christian and Muslim, to join us in the noble quest for lasting peace. Thank you. God bless you. God bless Israel. God bless the Palestinians. And God bless the United States. Thank you very much. Thank you. This Gentile, this half Christian, half a quarter Christian, whatever you think, or little bitty Christian or ignorant Christian, is doing what Cyrus did. He organized and dominated the whole world. Trump has all of Asia bowing down to him in respect. They might not agree with him, but they respect him. He's doing things all over the world. Yes, you have the French president against what just happened, and England, Theresa May, condemning the same actions. What this does is just exposes what's in their heart. They're on the wrong side. Trump's doing this move, which will cause a festering out of the violence, and those who want to completely fight it, and what's going to happen, they'll be annihilated. Either they'll convert over toward love or not. Trump said, our children should inherit our love, not our conflict. If we just let this stay underneath, smoldering underneath the surface, we'll never get rid of it. These big moves actually festers out all that to be confronted and purified for those of us who want peace. Why should we do what he said, Trump, what the past presidents and governments around the world with the same failures, the same strategies that hasn't brought peace. This is a bold, courageous move, and you're seeing it in real time. Study Cyrus. God uses God outside of the Jews to save the Jews. Did you know Thomas Jefferson had a sour pea? There are two of them, actually. Copies. He owned that, which is about Cyrus and what he did. And one of the books has a substantial markings of Thomas Jefferson that signified what he was reading and the influence it had on him to draft the United States Declaration of Independence. Trump's not going to be playing by somebody else's playbook. He's not studying Cyrus's Cyropedia. His playbook is what his heart tells him. And what his heart is telling him the peace is going to come by recognizing Jerusalem as the capital. He's not making it the capital. God's done that already. We are seeing. We are living. We're proud of. You're an apostle by our lady to pray fast and let God act. And yesterday was the action of God, not mere human, but something supernatural. Breaking with the path of failure that we may have glory and we might prepare for the time of the triumph, Holy Virgin Mary. And I tell you, I said it before. I said it before anybody would even recognize it. Trump is an instrument and a major part 
Our Lady's triumph. If she can use a priest or a bishop or a pope or a saint, she can use a Gentile. And it's just like the logic of the Bible over and over and over, getting the most unpredictable choice on a human level to do what is predictable by the way God does in the past. The David amongst the flocks in the fields, who he chooses. You're seeing Bible not being rewritten, but you're seeing revelations come into reality by these private revelations of Our Lady. Give to that. We're making right now a plea for the community. We do it annually. We need your support. We need your help. Nobody's saying these things. Nobody's feeding you this material. They're not giving it to you because they're not in a state of prayer all day. We're not ahead of anybody. We're not holier than anybody. We're actually sinners. We're worse because we live in an environment that our minor sins are great sins to compared to the great sins of society. So we don't come self-righteous to you, to preach to you. But we do tell you, Our Lady deals with us. She purifies us. She walks with us. She holds our hand. And we relay to you what we know and what we learn. And I hope today you learn something, have a greater confidence and a greater insight that you will go out and propagate these truths in front of us as we see them now. We ask your support. We ask you to donate this Christmas season to the community of Caritas. We do it only once a year. All our moves is to make us more be able to sustain ourselves that we can offer more of our time to the mission of Our Lady and propagating the messages to the whole world, to the largest Medjugorje center in the world that you yourself have made. That's what you contribute to. Please send a gift, a large gift, for the community at this moment. We wish you Our Lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Metronomic Show with a friend of Mechigoria. To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000.